Welcome into Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We have got a bunch to dive into today. Let me give you a little roadmap. We got a ton of different stories. Uh, these Idaho murders, I cannot get enough of them. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to be covering this until we get a conclusion, even if it takes me into 2023. Uh, Buffalo sports writer fired for saying women are bad sports fans. Grant Wall, the full details of his death covering the World Cup. Uh, Ron DeSantis has opened up a substantial lead over Donald Trump, according to the Wall Street Journal polling. Uh, Joe Biden has hit an all-time, to my knowledge, presidential approval rating low in my home state of Tennessee, according to Vanderbilt University. What does that tell us? TikTok has banned an outkick video on Frisbee golf, of all things. The Washington Post is cutting jobs uh, as they are losing uh, subscribers in a big way. Go woke, uh, get woke, go broke uh, strikes again, and we will discuss. Uh, And also, yours truly has been ranked the 60th most influential person in all of media by Mediate. I thought that was a really great accomplishment until I found out who they had at 17, we will discuss. But we begin with the Idaho murders. Now, I tweeted about this last night, and we were deluged uh, on Twitter with so many of you reacting to this. I basically said, look, I can't stop reading about these Idaho murders. And for those of you who are not familiar with exactly what went on, Four college kids at the University of Idaho were murdered almost exactly one month ago. And as of now, there has yet to be a suspect announced. They have yet to find the murder weapon. They know virtually nothing. So if you have not been following this case, let me give you a little bit of the background. Uh, I'm going to be on with Outkick the Show tomorrow. Then I'm headed down to the Florida Keys, uh, and I'll be gone for a week and then I'm having Christmas, and then I'm going to be out in Utah at Park City. I know it doesn't suck to be me or my family. It's actually much better to be my family than me because they don't have to, they don't have to work all the time like I do. Uh, Dad's just got to pay for everything. But I'm going to continue to follow this, and I'm going to tell the OutKick crew that we need to put somebody in charge of following this. So, look, four college kids, three girls and one boy, were murdered I believe on the night of November 13th, in a house that they shared. It's basically like if you have been around college campuses, it's like an off-campus college house that there's always a bunch of college kids in. It's not far from Fraternity and Sorority Row at the University of Idaho. I have never been out to Moscow, Idaho, so I'm not that familiar with the University of Idaho. Uh, But what I have done is read as much about these cases as I can. And here are the basic facts. There were four people murdered on the night of November 13th, all college kids, three sorority girls, one fraternity guy. The fraternity guy was the boyfriend of one of the girls. There were six people sleeping in this house on that night. The kids had all been out, as often is the case, on a Saturday night in a college town. They'd been out at a sports bar. They'd been out at a fraternity party. Uh, They all come back. They all go to bed. At some point between, police believe, 3 and 4 a.m., someone or potentially multiple people entered this home and stabbed four people to death. 
two on the second floor and two on the third floor. There were two people left on the first floor who never woke up, did not know that the murders had happened, were not harmed themselves. Two girls, is my understanding, on the first floor. They are not suspects. Uh, The four people were murdered, two on the second floor, two on the third floor, three girls, one boy, uh, with a knife, stabbed to death. They have not found the murder weapon, as I am speaking to you live on Wednesday afternoon. They have virtually no clues. Now, they're looking for a white car, and there are a lot of people out there that are super involved in this case and trying to help there be justice. Uh, They don't know who the person who did this was. They don't know whether it might be more people involved. There are all different sorts of theories associated with this. What I can't get past are three primary things. One, two people were left alive on the first floor of this residence, and they didn't hear anything as four people were stabbed to death. Uh, Two, the fact that there are no videos that we can find, that there is no evidence that can be brought to bear, and at least right now there appear to be no suspects, is incredibly difficult to comprehend, especially in a college town where you would think there are constantly people with cell phones. Uh, You would think that that so many of these uh, homes have cameras. Uh, It's staggering to me uh, that we do not have any real evidence. Now, there was recently, late last night or yesterday, a report that a woman working at a nearby gas station believes she found a speeding car that might be similar to the one that police are looking for that drove by at a fast rate of speed her gas station at 3.45 in the morning on the night of this alleged murder, uh, these alleged murderers. Uh, But police have been providing extra security at the University of Idaho. There obviously is a great deal of fear there. Frankly, I don't think that I would have allowed my kids to go back to the University of Idaho knowing that some four college kids were stabbed to death just off campus if my kids were old enough to be students at the University of Idaho. Uh, There are all different sorts of theories that are out there about what exactly might have transpired, why it occurred, what the overall storyline is here. Uh, But I can't get past the fact that that the girls downstairs did not wake up, that these four people were stabbed, that there was a dog in the house that also does not appear to have done very much, if at all, uh, to try to protect these people or to create a stir, um, and that there remain almost no evidence whatsoever. My theory, just a theory, my theory is that because this was a stabbing, it feels to me like this person probably, my theory, knew in some way at least one of these victims. I also find it strange that you would be entering uh, this house for the very first time if you had never been there before. Now, it was a party house. There may have been a lot of people at the university that had been in or out, but it feels to me like when there is a stabbing, that that is more of an intensely personal act than a shooting would be. And the analogy I would make, you guys know I'm a Civil War history buff. Most of the time, when uh, Union or Confederate uh, soldiers were told to fix bayonets to their rifles, they didn't actually end up in hand-to-hand combat for that long because most people don't enjoy being in hand-to-hand combat. It's one thing to stand and fire at people as they are charging at you, 
But as soon as they get close enough to come into hand-to-hand combat range, most of the time, the troops that were being attacked would fall back in the event that they couldn't repel that uh, that assault. There just wasn't that much hand-to-hand combat that went on. In other words, bayonet fighting was rare. Why was it rare? Not because these guys were opposed to violence. It's just a different level of up-close and personal violence. Now, where I live, basically on the battlefield of Franklin uh, in uh, in the Nashville area, for those of you who are Civil War uh, uh, zealots, Civil War uh, buffs like me, um, there was some hand-to-hand fighting in the Battle of Franklin that went on for quite some time. But by and large, it is a very rare concept to have hand-to-hand fighting going on. So I'm going to continue to update you on these Idaho murders. If you guys have uh, links that you find to be particularly uh, useful or interesting, you can tweet them to me um, and, uh, and, and tag me if you think that I would enjoy reading these different theories, these different analyses. Certainly, I'm rooting for law enforcement to be able to bring someone to justice here, uh, given what we know about these four murders. I'm praying for the families. I cannot imagine being one of the moms or dads or family members of these three girls or this boy that was killed. Uh, the boy, by the way, has uh, is a triplet. He has two uh, brothers. The girls were close to graduation, um, and it's just an awful story. So if you haven't paid attention, I am obsessed. I know a lot of you are probably going to be a conversation all over the country. We have talked about it some on Clay and Buck, just FYI. Um, all right, shifting gears. The Washington Post today announced that there were going to be substantial job cuts at the Washington Post in the first quarter of this year. I posted the video. The Washington Post employees were not happy. Uh, I went to college in Washington, D.C. I loved reading the Washington Post back when Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon were two of their sports columnists. It's a fabulous newspaper. It's lost its mind covering Donald Trump. The moment that they emblazon democracy dies in darkness at the top of the Washington Post, I looked around and thought to myself, this is crazy, okay? They were subject to Trump derangement syndrome more than almost any newspaper in the country. And I blame Jeff Bezos, frankly, because he's the owner of the Washington Post. And I don't think he's crazy. He's a very successful businessman, super capitalist. His newspaper is a disaster. They have lost 500,000 Post subscribers since Donald Trump left the office because they went all in with Trump is evil, Trump is Hitler, And as soon as Trump wasn't there, a lot of people said, why do I care about the Washington Post anymore? So they went woke, and now they are going broke. They lost a lot of people like me who were fans of that newspaper. And I understand it's left-leaning, right? I, I subscribe still to the New York Times, to the Wall Street Journal, to the Washington Post. And I subscribe because I want to make sure that I read everything because I talk about the biggest stories out there for three hours every day. And I don't want to be ill-informed when I am trying to talk with you. I try to get all my facts right. I always say, you might disagree with my opinions, but my facts I'm trying to always get right. And so to me, the Washington Post cutting jobs is a sign that they have lost their base. And this is a big part. I'm writing about this in my book right now, but I don't think a lot of people realize this. The Washington Post and the New York Times, their business now is fundamentally different 
than the business that they were in before Donald Trump came into office. They now are in the subscription business. And they are their subscribers are far left-wing activists. And if you make those far left-wing activists unhappy, they stop subscribing. Okay? So their business model isn't to be unbiased or impartial or fair. And Republicans have to understand this. They are a propaganda arm now, by and large, of the DNC. Now, Jeff Bezos could change this, right? Love or hate Elon Musk, he came into Twitter and said, we have to return some form of normalcy to Twitter. And Musk, to his credit, has said a lot. Hey, if the 10% on the right wing are angry at me and the 10% on the left wing are angry at me, that'll mean we're doing a pretty good job with Twitter. I would say that should be the story at the Washington Post as well. Jeff Bezos' newspaper should be being run for the 80% of the country that is still somewhat sane. That's the audience we try to talk to all the time at OutKick, right? The media company that I ran, that I sold last year to Fox, our goal is to service the 85 or 75 or 80% of people in America, sports fans in particular, who are not woke imbeciles. And that's why our audience is exploding at OutKick because there's so many people out there saying, thank you for covering this. I might not agree with everything you say, but I appreciate that you exist. The Washington Post is in a tough spot. They're not as woke as the New York Times. They are losing subscribers. They are cutting employees. And I don't know how all of this is going to end up shaking out. But this is another example of get woke and go broke and the reaction of the Washington Post employees. They think, these journalists do, that they have jobs for life. You know, the reason I started OutKick was because I understood that I didn't have a job for life and I wanted to control my ability to make a living. There's a lot of you out there, small business owners, who have felt the same way at some point, that you want to rise or fall based on your own individual talents and work ethic, not based on a large company that you're a small cog in. And so I think this is pretty fascinating as it all breaks down Uh, the Washington Post falling apart as we head towards the end of the year and their uh, overall, the announcement that they were going to be cutting jobs, not well received. That video is up on my Twitter feed. You can see it uh, if you go out and search Clay Travis. And right after that, we'll continue the discussion. But first, a momentary break. Uh, All right. Joe Biden has hit 22% approval rating in the state of Tennessee. Uh, That's the lowest approval rating that I've ever seen for a president. Why do I think that's significant? As we start to see polls come out moving into 23, probably the number one question I've been asked about living in Tennessee, and I know that if you're watching this or listening to this right now in Texas or Florida or another red state, you might have gotten similar questions like this. So many new people have moved into your states, and I think this is a big lesson for both 2022 and 24. We saw, for instance, Ron DeSantis turn a 30,000 vote margin into a 1.6 million vote margin, a 19-point win from a less than one percentage point win. How does that happen? A lot of red voters have left New York, California, and the Chicago area of Illinois in particular, and they've relocated to 
a lot of southern states, but in particular Tennessee, Texas, and Florida because there's no state income tax. So if you make a million dollars a year, great salary, you're not having to pay 10% or more like you would if you live in Illinois, in Tennessee, in, uh, in New York, or in California. And so I think red has gotten redder. And that's why I'm not that concerned about all of the new residents as a lifelong Tennessean. I think a lot of the people who are moving here, in fact, the vast majority of them, are moving here because of our politics, not in spite of our politics. And I think that's why states like Tennessee, Texas, and Florida are going to become much more deep red than they were before COVID, okay? So 22% approval uh, in the state of Tennessee, according to Vanderbilt University. There was also a finding there, and I believe I'm getting it right, Ron DeSantis more popular than Donald Trump, 54 to 41 in Tennessee. Uh, That also squares with a Wall Street Journal poll that came out today that shows Ron DeSantis ahead of Donald Trump 52 to 38 in the Republican uh, Party. This is the conversation that every single one of you who is willing to vote Republican or is an independent voter or maybe is a Democrat, you're going to be having this conversation with your family around the holidays, around Christmas, around New Year's. And the question is going to be this. Is Donald Trump's control of the Republican Party broken? Is Ron DeSantis now the standard bearer for the Republican Party as we head into 2024? How much of this is sticking? How much of this is significant? I want to hit you with some uh, some positives and negatives from the poll. Ron DeSantis in the Wall Street Journal, plus four net favorability. Joe Biden, minus 11. That means far more people dislike Joe Biden than like him. 43% positive, 54% negative. Donald Trump, 36% positive, 59% negative. Net of minus 23. In the very favorable rankings, Ron DeSantis, 32%. Joe Biden, 20%. Donald Trump, 18%. So I think the question that a lot of people are going to have to, to think about is what does 2023 look like? I told Buck this off the air. I said, our radio show in 2023, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis are like Alabama-Auburn. They're like uh, uh, Michigan-Michigan State. They are the in-state battle that I'm so used to from sports. Clemson, South Carolina. Florida, Florida State. You have to pick a side if you're in those states when it comes to these great big rivalries. Louisville versus Kentucky. Georgia, Georgia Tech. North Carolina, Duke, or North Carolina, NC State. You know Virginia, Virginia Tech. I can run through pretty much every state where they have two big programs in state and they are lined up and they are going head-to-head. And you have to pick a side if you live in those states. That's where Republicans are, I believe, for much of 2023. And right now, Ron DeSantis has a great deal of momentum. The question is, can Trump regain any of that momentum, even though DeSantis hasn't officially announced? This is a big story. Now, if I were advising DeSantis, 
I would say don't announce for a very long time because I don't know what the deadline is right now to uh, to be able to be involved in Iowa and New Hampshire, but I don't know that you need to be running for president for an entire year. And so to me, this DeSantis versus Trump story is not going away, and it is going to be the number one story of 2023, certainly on the Republican side. So a uh, Buffalo sports writer has been fired for saying women are bad fans. And this guy now says he's super left-wing, as he probably is if he's a sports media member, and he's losing his job. Now, my general position on this is it's stupid to say, like, women are bad sports fans, all right? Some women are way bigger sports fans than some men. In general, as we all know, men are bigger sports fans than women. That doesn't mean that every man is a bigger sports fan than every woman, right? Every one of you probably in your families or in your friend group has someone who is a woman that is far bigger of a fan than many of your guy friends. Totally normal. Men are bigger sports fans. Doesn't mean that women aren't sports fans or that they're all bad fans. But this is the world we live in now. I don't even know this guy in Buffalo. And I don't know his name. And that's not intending to be a slight. He's a sports writer. He got fired for having the opinion that women are bad sports fans and saying it on some, uh, some interview. And what I would say in general is this. If you don't know someone and you otherwise have had no idea they existed, why do you demand that they get fired for an opinion that you just sought out and heard about yourself on social media? That's my general question about cancel culture out there. I don't want people getting fired for sharing unpopular opinions, even if it upsets someone. And if you don't know who the person is, most of the time the people who are demanding that someone be canceled just find out what they said about on social media. I I, I don't understand this concept of, I've never heard of you before. You said something that upset me, and now I'm demanding that you don't get to have a job anymore. Well, I don't know. Is that guy good at covering Buffalo sports or not? Buffalo citizens may have an opinion on that. If you've watched him for a long time, that's fine. I just abhor the idea of someone has a job, they've had a job for a long time, and then they say something, they go viral for something they said, and they immediately get fired over it. Well, why do people get offended by people they had no idea existed until like two minutes ago? I, I, I just, I genuinely don't get offended by any opinion. This is going to stun you. Some people don't like me. I know, I know, I know it's staggering. But why do I care? I, I, I don't care at all. So anybody can share their opinion they don't like me. Poor choice. I'm incredibly lovable. But if you have that opinion, more power to you. Share it with as many people as you want. It's actually great free advertising for me. But this idea of, oh, someone I've never heard of said something that upset me that I sought out on social media and now they can't have a job anymore, I just fundamentally reject it regardless of what the opinion that shared is. Um, If you suck for a long time, by the way, I do think you should lose your job. But but that's a market-based decision. If nobody listens to you or reads you, you will lose your job. That's why the people are losing jobs at the Washington Post. Grant Wall, I want to hit this. This happened, I believe, over the weekend. 
uh, and I wasn't around to talk about it, but I talked about it this morning on Fox News. Grant Wall, who is a uh, really talented, was a really talented sports writer who moved from covering college basketball to covering soccer, died in Doha, Qatar, uh, unexpectedly. They brought his body back. He died literally at a soccer game, my understanding, uh, collapsed, died almost instantaneously. They brought his body back from Qatar. They then had an uh, autopsy done in New York City, is my understanding, and they have determined that he died of an aneurysm. So there was no, uh, there was no murder or, uh, or, or foul play that was involved in his death. There had been immediate reports that it was a murder. His brother went on social media and said, because Grant Wall had been critical of Qatari officials and of Middle Eastern uh, opinions on human rights and gay rights, that someone had killed him. That was the initial statement from the family. They now say that is not true, that he died of a ruptured aneurysm, or just an aneurysm, which I think is a ruptured artery. Again, I'm not a medical expert here, uh, but he dies at the age of 49, no foul play. I wanted to make sure uh, that I talked about that as I did mention it on Fox News earlier this morning. Um, TikTok. I'm not really on TikTok. I will tell you that kids use TikTok increasingly like you and me use Google. It is a wildly addictive, wildly popular uh, app that many people are on, and uh, we're on it now with OutKick. We're posting videos. I'm sometimes stunned. Hundreds of thousands of people are seeing a lot of videos that OutKick has been posting on TikTok. I'm not involved in that. Uh, but one of our employees, Haley Coronia, uh, did a video um, talking about a subject that I addressed yesterday, which is Frisbee golf has banned biological men from being able to compete against women. And as part of that banning, uh, that means, obviously, that you have to compete against your biological sex. They evidently did it because men are starting to win a lot of different tournaments that are involved with women. So what's significant about this is our employer, our employee, Haley, went on and did a video discussing this factual accuracy of what Frisbee Golf did, and TikTok banned it. They said that what she was doing and sharing and what OutKick was sharing was an example of hateful ideology. Now, China owns TikTok, but it is run, evidently, reportedly, by people in the United States. Who at TikTok is making a decision that OutKick can't share a video discussing a factually accurate story surrounding uh, the banning of transgender athletes by the Frisbee golf? It's the truth, right? Professional disc golf, I think, might be the phrase that they want used more often than Frisbee golf, but to give you a sense of what this sport is. The fact that TikTok is banning OutKick from being able to share our video discussing a factual accuracy, which is that banning, and that they've labeled it hateful ideology, is an example of how woke TikTok is. And I just want you all to think about it because it is such a significant factor in terms of what your kids and grandkids are seeing. My kids, 
would use TikTok and YouTube more than anything else. 14, 12, and 8-year-old Travis boys. So a lot of the ways that you might consume media, not surprisingly, your kids do not consume media that same way. And so you need to be aware of the hateful ideology uh, tag that we got because it is inculcating a far left-wing woke ideology in many young people in this country. Uh, Finally, I would like to thank Mediate. I was super excited about this. Always happy to be on any list of influential uh, names. They made me the 60th most influential person in news media. said, all right, hey, it's not bad. I don't know what I was last year, but I'll take it. They ranked the top 75. A lot of these end-of-the-year lists that are coming out. Give uh, credit, Barrett Sports Media said Clay and Buck was the second uh, uh, most powerful news radio show. I'll take that. Um, I think we're the first, but I'll take second. Uh, But Mediate said we were the 60th most influential, I was, 60th most influential person in news media. And I I was like, hey, it's not bad. And then I shared it. And then I started to go through the whole list because you have to click through like uh, many different pages to see all the way. And congratulations, by the way, to Fox News' Suzanne Scott, who was number one on this list. She's fabulous. Ostensibly, I guess, my boss uh, up there uh, at Fox News uh, because um, she's doing a great job. She deserves to be number one on the list. I'm 60th. Felt good about the list until I saw The View is 17th on the list. The View is the dumbest show on television. Dumbest daily show on television, I should say. And the fact that I am 43 behind The View means I rescind all my thanks. I no longer am going to pat myself on the back. I have got The View has got a target on them. I have to surpass and influence the ladies on The View, even if they count all five of them together. I cannot allow them to continue to dominate going forward. Uh, I rescind all of the praise that I foisted upon myself. You guys know that I hate to brag, that I hate to draw attention to myself. I will and always will remain the most humble man in all of media. But the fact that The View is 17 and I am 60 is utterly indefensible. All right, this has been Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I appreciate all of you. I will see you tomorrow, 11 days until Christmas. Get those holiday shopping list complete, and I'll see you guys tomorrow.